Yeah, good morning to everyone, and uh, it's a great opportunity this morning to come and bring the Word of God to you, and I really hope you enjoyed our time of worship. I think it was a real blessing and a, and a real indicator to me of what God is doing, and I, I believe we're in a time where God is shaping the church, that God is doing uh, something new, and he's trying to mould us and shape us, and I, I pray this morning that you would be open to what God is saying, that you would be open. There was a part of the verse where it said, kind of make me what you want me to be. And it's my prayer this morning that that is, is our heart. And what I want to speak to you, to you this morning about um, is the power of prayer and the power of God. Um, and I'm going to be reading through a passage, if you've got your Bibles or you've got your phones or whatever it might be, um, you can turn to Acts chapter 12. And this is a story of where Peter is arrested and taken into prison. So I'm going to read the, the account first of all, um, so that you're aware of the whole story and I don't give away any spoilers. Um, and then I'm going to just uh, go through that and just consider what God is saying to us. So we're starting in Acts chapter 12, verse 1. It says, About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Quick, get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and he did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and second guard, and they came to the iron gate leading into the city, it opened for them on its own accord. And they went out and went among, along one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. When he realised this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer, recognising Peter's voice. In her joy, she did not open the, door, the gate, but ran and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to him, you are out of your mind. But they kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, it's his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the door, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. And then he departed and went to another place. So we've got this story where Peter is arrested in prison, miraculously is released, and then comes back to the, the, the believers who are praying for him. So I just want to start back into verse 1. It's this time, it says, when Herod, 
the king laid violent hands on the believers. And I think it's an important place to start. And, and throughout this story, I do want you to think about kind of how do people feel in this story? Because you've got this time of God moving, yet Herod is against this. Herod is moving uh, to come against them. And what this shows us is that as believers, we are not immune to, to the evil works that are going on around us. Um, we can think, you know, well, God is for us, and if God is for us, who can be against us? But the reality is that even in those days, the King Herod was seeking to bring violence against the people of God. And so we are not immune. And so we see how this affected in verse 2. James, the brother of John, is killed by the sword. And it's very interesting when we think about these things and what's about to happen, because... um, when we do think about these kind of bad things, what we might consider a bad thing that's happened, we can ask the question, why? Particularly because we, we're about to hear a story of amazing miracles, amazing escape. And you can ask the question, and maybe James asked that question in retrospect, saying, well, why didn't I get released? Why didn't I get saved? Why wasn't there a mighty miracle that saved me? Why did I have to die by the sword? And the reality, again, is when we enter into this realm of prayer, there is a mystery. The will of God can be a mystery to us at times. And why James is not saved, but yet we see that Peter then is saved. And so I do want to kind of allow that to be our kind of something we think about. We're not immune. And also that some prayers are not going to be answered in the way that we think or the way that we want them to be answered. But we do trust that God has a will and a purpose in all things. And even for James, that James went from that place into glory. And by his death, I I believe he would glorify God. So in verse 3 it says, uh, when when Herod saw that these things pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter. And I think that's again a very important thing that we can consider for our day. That... Herod is acting in a way, not to do what is good, not to do what is right, but he's just doing it to please people. And again, we can live in a day, and we are living in a day, I believe, when there's a lot of mob rule, where you get a group that shouts the loudest. And we saw that even when Jesus was crucified, that despite the fact even that Pilate wanted to release him, it was the fact that the mob shouted, crucify him, crucify him, that actually meant that he was crucified. And there are going to be many people, even in this day, that are shouting many things. There are going to be leaders who are more interested in pleasing men than they are God, in doing what is popular rather than doing what is right. Uh, and I want to encourage us just that, we, that we do need to pray for our leaders. We've got to pray that God will move upon them and lead them and direct them. But also that where we are in our positions of influence, we are to be those people that are not pleasers of men, but pleasers of God. And I believe in the end you will seek to please those who you fear. And so someone like Herod wanted to be popular amongst the people. He wanted uh, everyone to like him, and so he would please people. And that kept him in his office. But we're called to be something different. And so then we look at this situation of Peter in verse since they'd seized him, he put him in prison, delivering over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, um, and they were going to, intending to kill him. And again, we could be in these situations, and Peter's situation looked pretty miserable. It looked pretty dire. He, he's just seen James be killed. 
that's just happened. And now he finds himself in a similar situation and he's guarded, not lightly, but by four squads of soldiers around him to guide him in a prison. And, and it, there's really a situation where it's like, there's no way out of this place. He's in trouble. And in these situations where we find ourselves, we can look at our situations and maybe you think, I am in a dire situation. And maybe like in this situation, you could look at the past and you could say, well, look what happened to James. You could look at the present and you could say, look at all these soldiers around me. And your situation can feel completely hopeless. But I want us to encourage you this morning to look to the one who writes the future. It's not about what's gone in the past. It's not even about what is in the present. But it's about the one who can write the future. For the one who there's no restrictions on. There's no one who can usurp his authority. But he is over all things. And so in verse 5 it says, So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. And so again, you've got the church who are praying. And I want us to think about this word earnest and consider for yourself... Am I willing to pray earnestly? Now, I looked up what this word meant because sometimes when we think about earnest prayer, we might get the wrong idea. And earnest earnest basically means kind of stretched out, prolonged. Um, And I think there's a risk sometimes when we pray that we we kind of just say, yep, pray for that, quick prayer, and we move on and we go about our task. Um, But he's saying, will you persist in prayer? Will you kind of keep pressing in for this thing to happen. And that's what these people were doing. And the the reality is, they could have been very discouraged. They could have thought, what is the point of praying? I'm sure they prayed for James earnestly, but he wasn't released. They could have been discouraged and said, what's the point? But they, they, I believe they still had great faith. They continued to say, okay, God didn't move in that situation, but we believe he's going to move in this situation. And maybe all your prayers won't be answered the way you expect. Um, They could have thought, again, what hope is there? Because, you know, there's there's somebody out there, somebody who you can't reach. They couldn't go and rescue him. They couldn't go and storm the barracks. They couldn't go and, and take him out of prison. But they knew what they could do was pray. And I want to encourage you this morning to think about praying big prayers. I want to think, encourage you to think about praying the impossible. Uh, uh, a few years ago, if you know me, I used to work in an investment bank. And I, I wasn't anything special in the bank. I was a contractor most of the time, wasn't even employed. Um, and, you know, I, I wasn't in any position of influence, any position of power. Um, but we had gathered the Christians in, in this place and we wanted to just pray for them. And, and one, and I was leading this group, and there was a point where God said to me, I want you to pray for a change in the culture of this bank. And and I kind of thought, what? I I, I kind of didn't really know. (laughs) Like, how how do you even do that? How do you change the culture of a global bank when you're not even employed by the bank, when you've got no influence whatsoever? And so, again, all we could do, in a sense, all I could do was pray. And so I said to everyone, this is what I believe God's put on my heart. We need to pray. And so we prayed. And we just continued to pray. Um, maybe we prayed earnestly. We pray, at least we continued to pray. Um, and after about six months, the bank released this statement that they have, had renewed their culture. 
and that they were bringing in these aspects of kind of standards and all different things that were, were basically mocked by other banks. But, and if you looked at what they stood for, they were Christian principles without saying that. And, and it kind of just struck me, you know, who was I? I was nobody. But if God puts something on your heart, we can, have, we can pray big prayers and we can change amazing things. And so I want us to think about the impossible situations we might find ourselves in. So verse 6 and 7 talks about how Herod was going to bring them out that very night and Peter was between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. What impossible situation do you find yourself in today? What situation do you think, this is hopeless? I've got no way out of this. You know, every door seems shut. Every chain seems upon me. And people obstructing my way, left, right, and center. What impossible situation are we in today? And may we think, in this moment, what can God do about it? It says in verse 7, Behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in a cell, struck Peter, and said, Get up quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. You know, it's great that we serve a God who is not constrained by geography. He's not constrained by um, walls. He's not constrained by metal. You know, none of these things hold him down. But in a moment, he can speak into a situation and change him. Because you think, why didn't anyone else wake up? Why didn't anyone else see this angel? Why didn't anyone else kind of become aware of this commotion? But God, in his way, does these things. And Peter, in that moment, had his chains set off, kind of cut off. Nothing is impossible for God. And I think we really need to accept that and believe that. Nothing is impossible for God. So in verse 7 8, we, we hear how he says, get up, and he says, dress yourself, put your sandals on. I don't know if there's any real significance on to put the cloak on um, or anything like that. But the thing I did get from that was, do as you're told. You know, when God's breaking you out of something, don't argue, don't contest it, don't say, um, well, should I do this first? Just God will speak to you and God is going to say, do this. Do as you're told. Because God has a plan and a purpose. And, and our role in these things is just to get in line and just say, yes, God, I'm going to be obedient to the thing that you're saying. And he says in verse 9, he followed him out and he did not know where it was being done. He actually thought he was seeing a vision. And I don't, I've never had anything like that in my life. I don't know if you've had anything like that in your life where you're just like, oh, actually, I didn't even think that was real. Maybe like you woke up from a dream and it all seemed a bit like that seemed real, but then you realise it wasn't. I don't think I've had the other way around. Um, but again, remember, if you think about what it says, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, it says that, our God is going to do abundantly more than we can ever ask or think. And I wonder in this moment, are you willing to think about, am I willing to trust God for the things that I might even not be able to believe are real? Are we, you know, that, that God can do these miracles that you think that's not even possible. But are we willing to believe God? Because this is what God is about. God is about to do things that we can think this is not even possible. That we might see it and think, I think I might be dreaming. 
And I pray that God will do these things amongst us. God will do these things that we cannot even believe. And maybe you'll just turn to your, your neighbour and say, can you pinch me, please? Because I, I might not think it's real. And I believe that's what God wants to move us into. So in 10, 11, he says that he, he passed through the guard, first guard, second guard, came out the great, I love it, that the door opened of its own accord. It's like, God's not messing here. God's like showing, this is me. This is not just some coincidence. This is not some mistake. This is God orchestrating things to happen. And he went out from one street and the angel left him. He said, when Peter came to himself, he said, now I'm sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. Many people will have many plans for your life. Many people will want to say, this is what you should be. This is your life. This is your situation. And there are many powers that are going to try and orchestrate that. But the key here is that the Lord is our deliverer. Amen. And no matter what others expect, no matter what others say, the important thing is what he says. We're reminded in Ephesians chapter 6 where it says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against principalities and powers. You know, this is the battle that we are in. And this is where prayer is such an important thing because I, I was reading recently in the book of Daniel and reminded again that there comes a point where Daniel is praying for the nation and he starts his prayer. If I remember rightly, it was 21 days where he was praying, fasting. And at the end of that point, an angel, and I, I believe it was, the angel appeared to him and the angel says, from the moment you started praying, from the moment you started, I've been making my way and I've been fighting. I've been battling in the heavenly realms. And this is where I think this word about earnest prayer is important. Because sometimes, imagine if Daniel in that situation and God said, God, I just repent on behalf of our nation. Amen. Let's go have lunch, guys. And he didn't. Because at that point, the angel would have been like, I'm off. Oh, no, I'm going back now. And so, but he persisted because he was battling territorial spirits that were oppressing the people and he had to battle through those until he got to the place where he could meet with Daniel. And imagine on this night when the people were praying for Peter. Imagine what battle might have been happening in the heavenly realms when they, you know, they hear, Peter's been arrested, let's pray for him. Uh, hashtag praying, emoji hands, and, and then it's like, done. You know, if that, maybe if that, that had been their prayer, maybe um, Peter would have ended up on the end of a sword as well. Who knows? I don't know. But I believe they persisted in prayer. They prayed earnestly, and I believe in their prayers, what they were doing is battling in the heavenly realms. The, the, the purpose of Herod, and remember, Herod was a puppet, Herod wasn't the ruling authority. There's, there's heavenly rulers, heavenly authorities um, that were over Herod. And they were battling against these things in their prayer. And Peter got delivered. So go on to verse 12. And I heard someone describe this. It's, it's less of a story, more of a comedy. The fact that, that Peter turns up at someone's house and he knocks on the door and Rhoda who's the servant girl, answers the door, doesn't even, you know, recognises, it's Peter, but then doesn't open the door, 
which is like, I don't know, it's like, all right, thanks, just leave me hanging. Um, I think one thing that's really important is this, that God can use anyone. Like, so I don't know who else was there that night, but I know that Rhoda, the servant girl, was there. And just like I was in my, my place of work and I wasn't even employed, I was a contractor. You know, God can use anyone. And maybe in this moment you're thinking, can God use me? And I say, yes, God can use you to battle heavenly places, to make impact in the spiritual realms. So he did that with Rhoda. And so then she went and told them and they said, it's not him, it's his angel. Um, I don't know how often you need to see angels to just think, oh, it's an angel. But for some reason, they obviously saw a lot of angels in those days. Um, it's, oh, it's just his angel. Um, but they didn't even let the angel in. Maybe they thought, well, the angel can come in himself. I don't have to open the door. But Peter persisted knocking. Uh, it says then in verse 16, it says, but Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the door, they saw him and were amazed. Which is kind of strange, because it's like, well, this is what you were praying for, and you got what you prayed for. I want us to be amazed. Um, let us be amazed. And I wonder if, if, again, maybe their faith had been disheartened. Maybe they were, they were praying out of faithfulness rather than belief. Because, they, again, they saw James not killed. It's not looking good for Peter either. But we'll pray anyway. And they continued in prayer and they were amazed. Let us be amazed in these days by what God is going to do amongst us. Are we asking too small? Are we asking for smaller things? Because I want you to pray, as I said, for big prayers. I was just thinking about some of the things we sang about this morning. And we sang about power and authority. That God is power, God has power, God has authority, and he has given these things to us. He's got keys, and he's given these things to us. And there's a verse uh, I was just reminded of. This is the moment when you've got a sermon, and then in the worship, God puts something extra on your heart. This is a, this is a bonus one. And this is Psalm chapter 2, verse 8. And he says, Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. Are we praying small prayers? He's saying, ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance and the ends of the earth your possession. I believe our prayers are mighty and effective. He says, for the pulling down of strongholds. Ask of me. God is saying, ask of me. I, I need to bring a confession to you this morning that I am not a person of prayer. Um, I was talking with Jana the other day and I, I, I said this, like, I, I really struggle with prayer. I really struggle with having consistent prayer times. And she was like, really? I never would have thought that. So I thought it was important today to put that on the table, you know, because I don't want to come across and, and be like, oh, I've got all this down. I know what I'm doing. I'm this guy who spends hours every day on my knees. I'm not. But I also, what I'm sensing is what God is shaping us to be. And, and I believe there's a calling of God upon me, and I believe there's a calling of God upon the church. Um, and Jesus says, go into your closet. And I believe there's a call to the closet. That, and what the closet represents is, is that place where you, you, move, you come away and you just be with God. 
Because if we try and do the works of God without first encountering God himself and being in his presence, then the works are fruitless, the works are pointless. I always love, I think it was John Wesley's mum, who I think she had nine kids or something like that. She had loads of kids. And so her closet was she got her apron and put it over her head because that was the only way she could get some peace and quiet. And her kids knew when the apron was over the head, do not bother mum. Like she, then you probably saw the wrath of God if you did. Um, but so she did that, and that was her closet. And maybe you think, oh, I can't find a quiet place. We have to be constructive. We have to work at it. We have to fight for this moment to find this time before God. And I think one of the key things that God is calling us to in this day is to set aside other things that fight for our time. I heard someone say the other day, like God told them to, to, to put away other loves. And that is what God is calling us to so that we can be totally devoted to him. So why don't we pray? I think there's three things I want to say on why don't we pray. The first is that we don't see the need. You know, we look around and we think everything's all right. And, and generally, like for me, like throughout this lockdown period, things have been pretty decent. I haven't felt troubled. I haven't been anxious. Um, no one close to me has been ill or anything like that. Um, and so often in so much in our lives, we can miss the need to pray because we're comfortable. And that might be a reason we're not praying. We don't see the need to. We might not pray because we don't believe that God can do it. And maybe you are not in a comfortable situation. Maybe you are in, in one of the impossible situations like Peter. Or maybe like the church who thinks, well, James died, so what's the point? So maybe we don't pray because we don't believe God can do it. Or maybe we don't pray because we believe we can do it. And too often we move, we're very comfortable in our own strength, our own ability, and we're moving in that. And these things can lead us to the place where we don't pray. But God is calling us to this place, as I say, if, if, our, if our vision is small, if our expectation is small, if all we want is what we've got, then we're not going to pray. But I want to encourage you this morning to believe for bigger things, to, to really press forward, for one, into God's presence, uh, and to know his heart, and then we might pray according to that. So the first thing I would say is, is not to be disheartened that, you know, well, this isn't me, this isn't what I do, but sometimes to confess our unbelief. That if you've, said, if you've got any unbelief that I don't need this, it's not a role in my life, if you're not praying, one of these things is probably true about you. And I encourage you to confess that to God. I want you to state your desire to God of who you want to be. Like me, I can say, well, I'm not, I'm not a person of prayer, but God, this is what I want to be. And ask God to lead you. I'm saying, I have, if we come, we can say, God, I haven't got this down. I don't know what I'm even doing. But will you lead me? One of the things I often pray is, God, tell me what to pray. Tell me what to pray, because I don't know what to pray. I want to pray according to your will. Will you lead me in prayer? And then we're doing that. I want us to have a time just where we respond to God. So I'm going to ask the band to come back up. Um, I appreciate this is going to be maybe a bit weird, a bit novel, because how do you do ministry um, when 
you kind of distance, but you know, God isn't encumbered by walls, he isn't encumbered by, by distance or anything like that. God is with you wherever you are right now. He's with you in your room, uh, in your home, if you're out walking, wherever you might be, he is with you. Maybe even if you're watching this on recording, God is with you. And God is wanting to move upon us if we come right now to humble our hearts. So let's take a moment and just still ourselves before God. There are two things that I want us to pray into this morning. The first is that God will break the chains of impossible situations. That maybe you feel like you're in a Peter situation in a prison cell with guards around you, with chains upon you. And we're going to pray that God will break those impossible situations. We're also going to pray that God will raise people up to be people of prayer that we might move nations. Again, you might be thinking, I don't even have faith for that. Confess that lack of faith to God. I, there's many days I don't have faith for that. But it, confess that, say, God, help me not to pray small prayers, just small prayers. We can pray them. But let's pray some big prayers as well. Jesus, Lord. Lord. Yeah, Lord, just want to come and bring anyone. If, you, if you've got a big situation, if you've got a situation, impossible situation, I just want you to hold out your hands to God right now, just open-handed. Just feel as well, if you actually want to put your hands together as if they were chained, and we're going to just declare the brokenness of those chains over you right now. Lord, we're going to pray just into these situations now and pray that... And declare, Lord, that nothing is impossible for you. If you feel bound, put your hands like this and then just break them apart as if you are breaking chains right now. And we declare these things broken in the heavenly realms. We declare God's authority and power over those situations. Nothing is impossible for him. Nothing is impossible for him. Lord, we release these people into your hands right now, Lord God. And we ask and pray, Lord, that you would move in your sovereign power upon them. Hallelujah, Lord God. And if you want to be, if you feel God stirring you in the way that he's been stirring me, to be a person of prayer, I want you to stand up wherever you are. If you're not standing, I want you to stand up because what we're saying, we're stepping forward and we're saying, yes, Lord, make me whatever you want me to be. That's what we're saying in this moment. And you can do this because your chains have been broken. You can do this because he will mould you into the thing that he wants you to be when you make yourself available to him. And so I want to pray, Lord God, right now for those who have stood, those who are willing, Lord God, to be the person of prayer, the person who is going to pray big prayers with great expectation. Lord, even if we come fearfully and trembling before you, Lord God, even if we come in unbelief at times and discouragement, we're going to still stand in that place, Lord God, and pray. 
Lord, give us a renewing of the mind that we might see your purpose, Lord, that we might understand how you want us to pray, what this even means to pray earnestly. And Lord, help us lay aside the other things that will distract us, Lord God, that will draw us away from your purposes in these days. Lord, I pray that we would be amazed. Lord, I pray that we would see the things that we can't even believe, can't even imagine. May you do great things, Lord God. May you do great things. Amen. Let us worship together. Let us worship together and let God still minister into your situation and into your heart, into your mind, that God's purposes and will will be done in your life.